You're listening to Her Body on Body IOFM, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance, with your host, Alex Navarro. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body.io FM. I'm your host, Alex Navarro, and this is the second part to my Kiefer interview, where we talk a little bit more about the software, the updates that he's been working on with the new books, um, a little bit of the things that he didn't touch upon in the Jim Laird show, uh, more specifically around performance, and some of the ways that the software is going to be able to help those who have performance goals, uh, maybe they're athletes, and uh, or they play recreational sports, and sort of how that's going to be able to work with the software. It's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about the remaining parts of the show. We talk a little bit also about protein cycling, um, which I personally found super interesting. So we hope you guys enjoy the second part of this episode. Absolutely. Well, and, and I imagine... For you especially, because I know I feel a little bit of this just knowing the, the 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 fragment of information that you do that I've you know that you've been able to share with me is the more the the deeper down the rabbit hole you get, the more the the bigger the more pieces you see to this massive puzzle, uh, the more you realize just how much of it needs to be shared, how much of it is is completely missing from. <laughs> The general conversation. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, for me, it's like just, you know, having seen a bunch of family, knowing what I know now based on our conversation alone, which, Mm -hmm. again, was a lot of information in a very short period of time. Um, I felt like my head was going (laughs) to explode. Um, But then looking at people like family members and who have had issues, who have been sick, who are on the, who I can tell are on the verge of being sick. Uh, my grandmother, she has dementia, you know, all of these, these sicknesses and I'm just, I want to tell them what to do. I mean, obviously I don't know to the full extent what they should be doing, but I know at least what they shouldn't be doing based on me watching their behavior and what they're doing. And you know, me again, not only knowing so much, but then you knowing as much as you do and and wanting to get that information out, but wanting it to be as, as whole and complete as possible. Right. Yeah. yeah it's important. I'm, like I, and I don't know enough to then just be able to tell one person like, oh, you just need to stop doing this. Right. Or if you just made that one little change, like I can't. Right. I don't, I, I don't have that, the enough, that knowledge to be able to do that. But I know that, you know, there are some things that they could do to make those changes. Right. To yeah. make themselves healthier because I care about them. Yeah. You know, the basics, which mm-hmm. really, I mean, it comes down to the basics. Right. You know, if you're working with a professional athlete, obviously. That would be different. That's, right. you know, there's a lot more things to pay attention to. But if you're working with just somebody who wants to live a long, healthy life mm-hmm. and... Like Mark Sisson says, just lives long and drops dead. I mean, that's what I want. I want to like have a normal life that I don't notice any difference in over the years. And then one day I just don't wake up. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the only end game that I see for myself. Actually, I don't even, I have no, I have no fear of Alzheimer's, diabetes, cancer. I'm just, I'm not going to get those things that right at this moment, the probability of me getting any of those diseases is pretty much nil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not going to happen. And I want everybody to experience that. Yeah. Like, I don't worry about, 
aging and becoming decrepit. It's just not going to happen. And my lifestyle is much less athletic than it has been, you know, for the first world for 30 years prior to now, you know, it was was ridiculous. Um, But, you know, I still don't have to do, I I have to do hardly anything. And (laughs) I still have all my muscular shape, my strength, you know, I'm lean, my brain works great, body works fine. And I just know that's going to continue for a long time. And it's not because I don't have a family history of these things. Every male in my family's had cancer of some type, lung, mm-hmm. prostate, brain, liver, all of them. Uh, my grandfather dro- died of um, basically related to diabetes, but stroke, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, you know, I've yeah, just not worried about it. I'm, I already... I've already made it to a later age than anybody, any of them, without any health difficulties whatsoever. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost there. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, it is. Well, yeah. and I have a huge history on both sides of the family. I mean, I've, I've, I've pretty much name anything across the board, and, and somebody's had it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I remember more recently having gotten, gone to go see my, my normal doctor, which... Gosh, it's been like seven years, I think, since I've actually seen my normal doctor. And I, I mm-hmm. got new health insurance. So I was like, well, I might as well go in and get some blood, some, you know, some yeah. labs done just to see where I'm at. And, uh, you know, I told her all, you have to fill out all that paperwork. And I filled out all, you know, who has what disease, what's runs in your family. And it was, it was nice. It felt good to be able to go into that, you know, that interaction and tell her all of the things that I know that she's going to find. Mm-hmm. But that I don't care about, you know, like cholesterol right. issues or whatever. I'm like, well, you know, if, if it's a little bit high, it's, that's fine. This is, this is why. Yeah. Um, but be able to go into that conversation with my doctor and almost feel like I'm more, I know more about myself and, and what I've been doing and where I'm at than she would be able to tell me from looking at my information or my labs or anything like that. Right. It's, it's great. It's a special kind of freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, she it was really almost is. like, well, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'm like, well, I can't draw right. my own blood, so someone else, someone else has to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's one thing I've never done. I've never had to draw my own blood. You know, that'd be weird. I don't think I could do it. <sighs> you know, it's just the trying to keep a steady enough hand to get that vein with well, a, one like hand. A, yeah, it's yeah, true. And that'd be angle. tough. But I have exceptional veins, so drawing yeah. blood on me is never an issue. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah, as long as somebody else does it, it's it's always it's easy. Yeah. But yeah, I've never tried myself. <laughs> Probably won't either. Yeah, some things you just need help with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. But I, I might have taken the conversation off. Totally fine. Off track. Totally fine. That, that's the thing in, in just having these conversations. It's it's just like you did, you know, when you were talking with Jim and why you probably didn't have enough time to touch on the performance side is because it's a rabbit hole. It can go in so many different directions and there's so much information and, it you know, you can be specific about what you're talking about. Like we didn't want to talk about athletes and performance uh specifically today but even within that you know we're still going to lead back to health yeah yeah there's there's absolutely no reason that every human being on the planet can't be can't have infinite health i mean that's really what it comes down to you know and and when we get to that point where we know that people should have infinite health when somebody doesn't Mm -hmm. we can actually find the cause and right now we can't do that because there's so many things wrong. There's... It's almost like when somebody is healthy, 
they're like, oh, well, they're just a freak. Their genes, you know, they just have right. good genetics. It's like, well, no, they were they were clearly doing something right. Right. Oh, or, you know, in that instance, this actually helps us to look for things that mm-hmm. that might be different about them in some way that could could give us more information. And it's just funny to me, though, that that's the way we look at it now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, New Year's is coming up and. Uh, well, actually, this will probably come out in the new year. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed a lot of articles about New Year's resolution. And there's this huge backlash, uh, particularly amongst female writers, about not making a New Year's resolution. Your New Year's resolution should be that you're happy with how you are. But we know, you know, statistically, 90% of women are not happy with how they are. Mm-hmm. And this could relate to a lot of the, a lot of different things. I think there's a lot of social issues there that I've touched on in articles before. And I don't want to make anything that I'm doing, whether it's, you know, the new book on health or the new book on performance, really be about you should be lean and everybody should look like a cover model because that's not the case. You know, everybody, though, should be reaching for that infinite type of health. And if you just if your New Year's resolution is to not have a resolution and not give a shit, you're not headed in the right direction. And I think that's a really dangerous message. I think the right message is it's okay. You know, you don't you don't like how you look. Guess what? I wake up every day and even the leanest I've ever been, I didn't like how I looked. It's just something that's kind of ingrained in me. Do I let it control my life? Well, Maybe a little bit because all of this has come out of that right. <laughs> that problem that I have. But there's health, and and that's the thing is it, it's okay. It's okay to it's okay to realize that you're not perfect because nobody is. But what's not okay is to just accept defeat. That there's nothing you can do to change it. Right. We we can all make improvements, and you know even you know I could make some improvements, and I do, and I've fluctuate in how I look and how I feel and when I start to realize that's happening I change things and that should really be the goal the goal shouldn't be well you know I want to look like this cover model or I should be skinny or I guess there was some thigh gap backlash going on (laughs) at some point and I don't think it helps anybody to shame the people who are healthy which I have seen Mm -hmm. and I don't think it helps to have these people who are like you know what don't worry about it just love how you look your New Year's resolution should be to just do nothing. I, I don't think that's beneficial either. I think it really gives the wrong message because you, if you live in the U.S., your chances of having metabolic having the beginning condition of metabolic sickness, which you, may, you might not even realize yet. You might not have had the right test to find that out. But basically 80% of Americans age 20 or older are in the are in the are either deep in the disease state or in the beginning of the disease state. I, you know, I, and to be honest, your easiest indicator of seeing that is how much excess body fat you're carrying, how easy it is to carry that excess body fat. And like I said, I'm not trying to make this about you need to lose fat, you need to look hot. You know, you can start becoming super healthy without worrying about that. And I guarantee you, as you become healthy, the body fat disappears because it's not the body fat's not making you sick. It is a symptom of being sick. So if you 
if you worry about your health and you worry about just wanting to feel good again, I absolutely guarantee you that you will lose body fat. You know, that I, I do agree somewhat that that can be a damaging goal. If your goal is, look, I just need to look a certain way. I just need to lose body fat. That can lead to some serious, you know, psychological problems. You know, that's absolutely. why we have anorexia, anorexia and bulimia. And that message is perpetrated by all the messages out there about lose fat. Um, how many times have you seen the ad on Facebook? It's like one weird trick for six-pack abs. Yep. You know, those kind of— five foods to burn belly fat. Yeah, all of that is about fat loss, and I think those are damaging messages because they— it's the same thing as your doctor telling you you need to take cl- cholesterol-lowering medication. It's yeah. treating a symptom and right. not the disease. So if you're treating the symptom, you might actually make the disease worse which is why so many people fail. And that's the argument of a lot of these articles that I've been reading recently is it's like, look, you know, you're going to everybody, you know, 90% of people who diet, they fail and then they go on this yo-yo and it makes them feel horrible about themselves. You know, their their argument is, I, I would, you know, somewhat justified. You think mm-hmm. you're doing everything right and then you go right back to where you were before and you don't. Or worse off. Yeah, or yeah, usually worse off, unfortunately. And that's, again, because we're focusing on the wrong the wrong message. We're focusing on a symptom, and we need to be focusing on the health. And I think that's a totally legitimate conversation to have, and I think that the conversation that don't do anything, be happy with who you are, is a very destructive conversation. I think you should be happy with who you are as a person and – in that journey, you should have the goal of being as healthy as possible and then everything else just falls into place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I know I'm not perfect, even though I pretend that I am <laughs> probably 80% of the time. Uh, you know, I know I'm not. I've, I constantly am trying to make improvements, uh, both physically and mentally and emotionally for that matter. And all of those things, as Jim Laird likes to point out all the time, <laughs> you know, is this emotional side of things, and it's it's pretty key too. Sorry, I'm on another rant. Totally fine. <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to jump in there, but I was <laughs> gonna let you go. <laughs> well, I you know, there's just there's so many. Well, I think you know, being that this is her body, the emotional component is significant. It's huge. It plays a big role. That's I would say seventy percent of the clients that I work with, the women that I work with. There's a huge emotional component, and it's something we've talked about on the show a lot, and it gets in the way more often than it is helpful along in, in one's goal, mm-hmm. in, one's, in, in making the attempts to either be healthier or, or lose some weight, whatever it is. Um, there's this huge emotional component that will make things that much more difficult. So I mean, yeah. it is a very relevant part, piece of the puzzle. Yeah, it, it, it not that it isn't for men too, but it's it's that much right, it's, more so for women. It's different for men. Usually, when they go through that, they go the opposite direction and become super lean and yeah. muscular and get into aesthetic kind mm-hmm. of um, assistance. We'll just say, <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't I don't know how to tackle it. I just I really think the wrong message. The, there's there's several wrong messages. One is you need to look like a supermodel. You have to lose fat. I think that is a crippling message. Agreed. Because you might be so sick that losing the fat's just going to take some time. And 
you know, that's okay. There, there's an end goal. Yep. You don't need to look like a supermodel overnight because that's usually incredibly damaging. Right. You you're going to be miserable if that happens. You're, you, you might look good, but you're not going to be a happy person. Right. And you're going to be more sick yeah. than when you started. And that's the problem. You're more sick, which means if, if body fat is a symptom of being sick, then, well, I'm not going to say if. It is. Since body fat is a symptom of being sick, it's clear why when people lose so much fat and they don't, they focus on that fat loss instead of the health, why they gain it back and more because mm-hmm. they actually made themselves more sick. Uh, so I think what really needs to be changed is the messaging. You know, just people have kids or they want kids, you know, especially women. I would say the driver for women wanting children is more intense than the driver for men, <laughs> at least in my experience. Uh, but you have kids, and not only do you want to – I talked about this on the show with Jim, but whatever health issues you have that are causing these diseases, you know, the main health issue, You're if you have that, which, you know, spoiler alert, it's insulin insensitivity in the skeletal muscle tissue. But if you if you have that, you're going to pass it on to your child, which means your child – isn't going to get the same start. It's not going to get a healthy start in life. It's going to get it. Well, it starts life in the diseased state. That's horrible. That is, that's a crime. So when you tell people, Hey, don't worry about it. Just be happy with how you are. Essentially what you're, what you're covering up the masquerade there is that you're putting a happy, shiny mask Mm -hmm. on the fact that you're sick if you have kids, your kids are going to be born sick, and they're going to have lifelong health issues. You know, that that's fine. You can wear that masquerade mask all you want, but it's not going to help anybody. What we really need to do, I mean, the New Year's resolution shouldn't, shouldn't be, well, I'm going to drop 20 pounds. You know, those are bad goals. Those are horrible. I'm going to, you know, I want to fit into this dress or whatever. Your goal should be, I am going to get, I'm going to start on the road of getting as healthy as possible because... Even if I already have kids, I want to be, you know, when they're in their 20s or 30s, and if they want to go on some hiking expedition in the Grand Canyon, yeah. I want to go with them. Right. Exactly. You know, I don't want to get the pictures while I'm stuck in my wheelchair or on right. my Lazy Boy at home. I want to go. Right. You know, life, life's an adventure, and when it stops being an adventure, you know, I, to be honest, I don't know that I would I don't know what I would do at that point and I don't Agreed. know what I, I would be a very miserable grumpy person no yeah. one would want to be around me yeah and I think most people <laughs> listening to the show kind of feel that way they you know it's not just being around for your kids when they're until no, they're I 18 plan to do a lot of things for as long as possible including flipping around yeah somebody asked well, me that while I saw my family not too long ago and they were like you know you're still doing all the walking on your hands and all that <laughs> like when are you when when are you gonna how long are you gonna do that for I was like well until I physically can't do it right which probably well, we'll see. Well, sh- we have a while to go. There's, so. <laughs> there's actually, there's no reason that your body should ever get to the point where you can't. Agreed. Well, it's great. There's actually no, there's no physiological reason whatsoever. It's all because of damage that we do to ourselves. And if we just stop doing that damage, everything changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex saw me in, you know, different stages of my life when I had massive amounts of stress and I started getting gray hair. And it kind of worried me because it was still later 
than most of my family, but that's about the time everybody started getting gray hair. It's disappeared. Yep. It's weird. I thought maybe he dyed his hair, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's disappeared, and it's because, you know, I understand the connection between diet and stress and all those things. And it's not just stress. It's more heavily related to diet. And at those times where I was really stressed, my diet wasn't as good as it should have been. And now that it's on point, literally my gray hair has disappeared. I, it, it, so if, if even if you care about being healthy, but that's not a good motivation, gray hair and wrinkles... Right. The, the, way that, the way the skin ages, which is pretty fascinating uh, how it ages, that actually relates back to the exact same processes that make skeletal muscle tissue grow. It's the exact same processes. So, And where insulin, insulin has the effect that insulin has on those processes, it's good for skeletal muscle tissue in, in some regards. It's actually bad for skin. It doesn't allow skin to regenerate at the rate that it's used to regenerating. So the skin ages faster if you're on a carbohydrate diet. You know, people are still amazed. I'm over 40 years old. I still don't have crow's feet or anything on my face. And they're like, what? Like, whatever. <laughs> you know, how you, you just must be lucky. I'm like, hey, you have not seen my family. I mean, if you looked at my genetic history, you would call me anything but lucky. Well, I feel that way about the gray hair because my mom at I mean, even several years ago, so at 27, mm. by the time my mom was 27, she had three kids. I mean, granted, you know, looking yeah. back at her diet, too, it was not great by any means. But she, by the time she was 30, she was almost fully gray. I'm over 30 now. I got like four, maybe. Maybe. Pull them out, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if they come back or not. <laughs> well, there, there's a good chance they won't come back gray be amazing i've actually seen one that that looked gray at the end and when i pulled it out it was actually black again at the end yeah that's at the follicle i was it, very confused but now this makes sense yeah it, it actually there's a very clear cool. distinct physiological reason why that happens and you know like the dimples in women's legs nobody likes there's all sorts of derogatory imagery that's used to describe it uh, that I won't won't use on the show but that's that's also a symptom of how the diet is affecting those protein dynamics if mm -hmm. you have a diet that you know does so like carb night carb backloading depending on what you're doing if you're on one of those diets or even ketogenic to a certain respect would help to repair that damage now depending on how bad that skin quality is or that damage uh, it could take a really long time to fix but you know if you're young and you started eating this way when you were young mm -hmm. you would never your skin would be like tight and firm and beautiful can't wait to see what my kids look your like. whole life <laughs> well i mean just ima imagine yeah. thinking that like these yeah. things that people are writing articles about about like don't care about it don't worry about it and here I am telling you, if you just do something that makes you healthy, it would never even happen again. Right. Like, it wouldn't even be something that anybody would write an article about because you just would never see it. Yeah. Like, nobody would be concerned. That, that's why I said earlier, and talking to the doctor was a really good point. Like, it's a very special type of freedom. You don't have to you're, – you're not worried about what you look like anymore. You're not worried about what diseases you might get. You're not worried about, well, I want to be the best in the world at this sport, but that means I'm going to be, 
you know, sick or have all these injuries right. or, you know, have all these injuries when I'm done. You don't have to worry about any of those things. You can just do whatever you want, whenever you want. You know you're going to be capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to how to end that. It's hard. I mean, it's difficult because I just want to tell everyone what to do. Well, you do what not to do. I know, but well, I guess more more specifically, family, the people that I care about, the people who I I know are in you know, an, an unhealthy situation. Right. Um, and they have all the means to make the changes. Uh, I mean, those are honestly the hardest, the hardest ones for me to help. Well, well also because I'm, I'm sort of, and we've, we, you mentioned this earlier, like I'm sort of seen as the anomaly because I've always, you know, looked in shape. I've always been active, you know, so it's easy for me. Right. And I don't have to worry about that because I watch what I eat and I always do. And, well, yeah, but I'm healthy because I do those things. And I don't, and even in saying that, I don't do it to uh, to an extent that's, you know, I'm not obsessive about it by any means. And I still eat all the things that I want to eat when I want to eat them, really, at the end of the day. Right. Again. It's, <laughs> and I do far less than most of them do in terms of exercise. Right. Which is interesting. And that's, that's a whole different conversation. But it gets hard to have those conversations. It's one thing if a client hires me to do it because that's what they know that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And they need, you know, uh, an objective person to give them that information. But when it's someone close to you, it's almost harder yeah. to do that. And it's very frustrating. Yeah. It's kind of ironic when you look at the amount of exercise that you and I get compared with people who have been using exercise to battle their weight for mm-hmm. years. Yep. It's kind of, I mean, it, I the, the difference is staggering. And I don't even know how to get people past it. You know, I, I think it's all interrelated talking about the, the body image kind of thing. Yeah. Is it becomes this desperation, which becomes damaging, um, probably damaging in a lot of ways emotionally, mm-hmm. You're doing all this work, and um, a friend of mine, her friend Sue, is her friend Sue is works out. She's re, she's retired now. Um, she she did really well in um, in her industry and retired kind of early. And she's always been somewhat overweight. And she works with a personal trainer, and the program that her personal trainer has her on has her literally doing three to four hours, depending on the day of the week, worth of exercise wow. every day. And now, and she's still overweight. Mm-hmm. She hasn't, she's lost, you know, maybe four or five pounds of the 40 that she wants to lose. Mm-hmm. But now she's terrified that if she, she stops doing ratchets because, back yeah. at all, that she will balloon up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, her diet is the standard American. Well, not standard American diet. It's actually the diet of the USDA guidelines. She eats very low fat. She eats what she thinks of as very healthy foods, organic vegetables, high grain breads, those those things. Doesn't eat red meat very often. So she's eating a diet that keeps her perpetually unable to get healthy. And by 
being unable to get healthy, she's carrying all this extra weight. And because she's carrying all this extra weight, she's spending three to four hours every day in the gym and is scared to do or go anywhere where she can't work out for those three or four hours a day. And that's not the kind of retirement I want. Right. Definitely not. I mean, I want to, you know, I've, I've been all over the world. I've never had any trouble eating on eating for carbonite ever. And then the great thing is wherever you are in the world, there's some new decadent treat (laughs) that you get to try out. And again, you just make, yeah, you have that the appropriate time. I haven't had any issue with that either. So there's no excuse of, well, again, you know, it kind of goes back to that freedom thing. It's not that I have to be home. I have to pack my cooler. I've got to make sure I have my six meals. I've got to make sure I'm by these grocery stores. You know, uh, well, I, I, I'm sorry. I can't go visit Maine because they don't have a Trader Joe's. And at Trader <laughs> Joe's, I get these exact things. And that's yeah. what I have to have every day. Like, you just, that's all gone. I, you know, when I went to Serbia, there was nothing familiar. There were three McDonald's and all of Belgrade and one Kentucky Fried Chicken. I mean, that was it. And it that probably was, wasn't even standard stuff that we have here that didn't. Ah, they were pretty. Them, were they? Well, they're, actually, they're probably better ingredients. Probably but, better, yeah. <laughs> it's true. But, you know, their menus were identical, and there were no Starbucks. You know, I had mm-hmm. – there was there was no possible way for me to – even the food products in the store were completely different. Right. I had no trouble. Making it work. Yeah. yeah. It was super easy. Mm-hmm. I think it's just understanding the basics, and then once you've once you've you've sort of been in those this, those situations a few times, and you've been able to adapt to them, it gets easy from that point on. I mean, that's even coming like when I was in in Bali. I mean, there was there was no uh, English on any of the products, which if anything made it difficult. That's what it was because I wasn't quite sure what was in certain things, but they all had the nutrition label on them. And even though it was still a little confusing, I figured it out. (laughs) So I could just look at the nutrition, you know, that, that and see what was in it and then be able to make a good decision around that. Yeah, with the eye, I just went to restaurants. It was easier. Oh, well, I did that too. But sometimes I wanted snacks to have around with me. (laughs) Yeah. Javapi Bez Hebla. Leba, yeah. What is that? Uh, it's like these little sausage things that are usually in a... They're like... Yeah, they're like these little sausage things. They usually put them in a bread pocket. Oh. So Javapi is the thing, and Leba is bread, and Bez is without. So Javapi Bez Leba. Oh, so you're just getting the Yeah, meat. Javapi without bread. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And Bez Luca, no onions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, you know, it was super easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but, but it's not if you think you have to eat a certain way every day and you have to be at your gym. It really decreases th- the scope of your world. Yeah. I actually think that the gym freedom is was easier for me to sort of not adopt but get used to. For, for me, it was more of a mental shift. Mm-hmm. Um, in in accepting that freedom that I didn't need the gym, um, right. because I was like, well, I can always figure out the food situation. I, I've always been able to make that work, even before pre carb night, where I didn't really want to pack my cooler, which honestly now is used as my earthquake kit. Oh, that's um, smart. Yeah, because it has all the little like containers, and I could separate all of the yeah. different things. So I was trying to. It's a nice bag, but I just don't use it for its purpose anymore. So I was right. trying to figure out how I could reuse it. So now it's perfect as the earthquake kit um but you know the food i've always kind of been able to figure out and make work in any diet situation like especially pre 
pre-carb night, but it was the gym in not feeling like I needed to like scope out where the gym was, what the gym, mm-hmm. especially around the holidays, like is the gym open on Christmas Eve? What time do they close? Can I get in before? Um, I think that freedom was actually more of a mental shift than it was anything else. Right. Um, not feeling like I needed it, but I, I enjoyed it too. Mm-hmm. And I, I misused that in other ways. And I've talked about this on, on other show episodes before, uh, more as like a stress relief. Yeah. So it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to use this, that in that way anymore. So what else can I do to manage that? <laughs> right. Um, if anything. And I know that for women that that can be a reason as well mm-hmm. because they've used that outlet. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's going to be true for a lot of runners because I've come across that with clients who this is what they've done for so long and this is what they get from it mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with the exercise or like you right. know the physical you know the aesthetic goals of it they're like i get this runner's high i get this feeling i have my time alone it's more of that that that's the the mental emotional changes that we need to focus on mm-hmm. so that we can like well let's find another way that we can <laughs> get that yeah. same sensation without doing this potentially damaging activity right well there's I mean, now the, now understanding how all the dynamics work, there's actually a way to let them continue to have that lifestyle, but just make one little tweak. Yeah. That would one weird trick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that would at least make it work for them to where they're not doing damage. Yeah. Um, and they can stay healthy for a long time. You know, marathons still aren't great, but there's actually a way to keep up that lifestyle and not not do the damage that you normally do. Right, and it's just a matter of a little appropriate changes. Yeah, small, I, mm-hmm. you know, of course there's dietary changes, but as far as the exercise and mode of exercise, like very minor, minor changes. Which is good. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be a whole upheaval of your life and sort of uh, identity for some people. Yeah. It, 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 they're so wrapped up in that now. It's like, this is my running community. These are my running friends. If they stop doing that, there's like a disconnect from. Yeah who they are, who they built themselves up to be. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I find that to be true for competitors too, who competed mm-hmm. for a long time and they're so damaged now, but they don't know any other way. They don't know what right. they would do if they didn't have that. And that's, I see that more often than not. And that that's a bigger, I mean, that's where we're, we're not necessarily to, just talking about diet and exercise. We're talking about the yeah. whole m- mental and emotional component of it. Yeah, community is important. Uh, I don't... Which is why CrossFit works so well for yeah. so many people is that community environment. They're, right. they're working out with other people. Mm-hmm. There's that motivation and the drive and you know yeah. the enthusiasm that comes with it. Well, everything that's uh, life-changing or a program that's designed to change your life is really has a large community aspect to it. Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. and then Al-Anon... CrossFit, I'm not trying to actually compare those as equals, but because, you know, they're not, but, you know, those are all in Weight Watchers, mm-hmm. you know, all those things are people trying to make a very large change in their life and, or even, you know, somebody who's moved to a new area who hasn't, you know, gone to church in a really long time and they don't know anybody, you know, they, they do find solace in the church. But a lot of that is their community. They've got a community again. Yeah. You know, so people going through major life changes, you cannot deny the power of community. And so if you have a community that's helping you, and you know, that's 
cross crossfits you know always that weird one because you have a community there that's trying to push you and glorifying injuries uh, so i don't know how how emotionally healthy that is it's like oh that's awesome you ripped your acl you're gonna be in a wheelchair and a cast for six weeks man that's awesome we're gonna put your name on the board you know i'm not sure how a little benef- disconnect there beneficial that is but it's still a community environment um, that's that's really important. Well, you're just the support for for most people is huge. They need the support, and if they feel supported, even in something, I mean, even if something that's not good for them, whether it has to do with exercise or diet, or you know, if it's going out and drinking, that doesn't mean it's a good right. thing. <laughs> right. But people thrive off that support. Yeah. And uh, you know, sometimes it's just mis misguided. Yeah. The um, the vacation made me think of something else. So talked to you earlier about you know when you overtrain if you take some time off that mm-hmm. you get some you can actually fine tune that as well so my, my models i can fine tune the workload mm-hmm. so that when you do if let's say you want to go for a vacation if i know you're going to go on a vacation for for a week and you don't want to work out on your vacation you can actually fine tune your training leading up to the vacation so that you still make gains while you're not training on vacation that's amazing yeah no it's crazy it's crazy once you get the models out, it's just crazy the stuff you start to realize you can do for people. That's it's like really you cool. can do whatever. So you can like really enjoy your vacation and come back feeling better. Yeah, you could actually put on left. put on muscle mass. That's very in that cool. time. Yeah, you could. Is that similar to you know when I first started using Carbonite for competition prep, and and we always talked about sort of after the show we have this great potential. Mm-hmm. For, for gains is that similar it's it is similar okay. yeah yeah but i mean now, i don't still fully understand it but well yeah you that's could what made me think of it. you could fine-tune it now that you wouldn't have as good so you would get to your contest prep much easier more easily okay. but in doing that in making that so fine-tuned mm-hmm. you lose uh, that commensurate window at the end so it, you know if you wanted to plan on that mm-hmm. but if you wanted to so so if your plan is to hit the show, look great or whatever, and then take a couple weeks off, mm-hmm. you could actually plan for that. That's cool. And have that growth window afterwards and still look awesome and not do any damage. I mean, it's... Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> soon, very soon. Very excited yeah. about everything that's, that's, you know, really just coming to fruition i feel like at this point especially after the 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 last conversation that we had um all the information and and then again being able to run through the beginning steps of the software and just get an idea of what it's capable of um it's just very exciting and i'm i'm eager to have well i'm obviously personal reasons i'm (laughs) eager to try it (laughs) be first be first um (laughs) well that's kind of where i am i like i just want it to work for me yeah, like, you know, I'm totally happy being a guinea pig. Absolutely. Well, co- I think I already put my name down. The coaches will be the absolute first people in. So, um, but then just being able to get it out and and see what comes of it, a the ease of it, but also the data collection that that we'll be able to see. Um, I'm just excited. It's going to be cool, guys. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If fun's an understatement. It's going to be really cool. Um, and obviously the books, um, everyone's very eager for those. And, you know, I hope everyone understands why why it takes as long as it does. Um, 
I, for me, it's a little bit easier because I sometimes get little pieces here and there. So, um, but it, but at the same time, it's hard for me not to share that information because a I don't fully understand it because I'm getting little pieces. Um, yeah. But but even just those little pieces and and wanting to kind of share and and we might throw out little teasers uh, down the road. Yeah. About little things here. Well, you got more so. than little pieces. That's true. You got like the full masterpiece painting with just some of the details not filled in. That's true. Yeah. Which I think that, to be honest, I think the details are the least important for most people. It's just knowing that the details are there. Mm-hmm. I've. Well, it helps us understand the big picture. I mean, just like if you were to look at a painting and there's little pieces, you might, you can, you'll get a general idea of what the painting is of. But if without those little details, you might not fully understand what the artist was trying to depict. Right. Well, you know, it's it's kind of like, I don't know, one of my favorite impressionistic artists is Cezanne. If you're not familiar with Cezanne, look up some of his work. Um, but his work's phenomenal. And, you know, in New York, I was lucky to see an exhi- exhibition of his work. And as you stare at the paintings, what I find fascinating and different about his painting is the longer you stare at it the more crisp the image actually becomes but when you step back and just take a quick glance it's very muted there's not any detail you get an an impression Mm -hmm. hence impressionistic but you don't really get the details but the impression's enough the impression's enough to really be awed by what can be captured and conveyed with so little detail Mm. and that is a huge and lofty goal that I have for <laughs> these books because really it's the impressionistic, vague structure where I need to convey the most compelling information for people to understand. And the more time they want to put into the book and digging deeper and staring at it longer, the more detail there will be that will be exposed. Um, you know, with a painting, it's fantastic there's a fantastic advantage because your brain will start to fill in the details automatically Mm -hmm. yeah whereas for the reader i have to do that somewhere else so that's been a challenge in writing these books as well as getting that you know masterpiece of impressionism at the start and then allowing all of that deep detail to be accessible the longer people want to stare right and then even just digest it at that point because I mean, for anybody who's read both Carbonite and Carb Backloading, they're they're written very different. Yeah. Very different. I mean, Carbonite, I feel like anybody could pretty much pick up and read and, and have a good idea of what you're talking about. Whereas CBL, people re- will read the book three times and they still don't know. They still right. don't understand it. They're like, what was that chart in the back? <laughs> um, right. And I think having sort of a combination of the two where you have, you know, the data, the, the, the science, you know, the, the big words for lack of a better word, um, <laughs> uh, the jargon or whatever, you know, those mm-hmm. deep explanations, but then being able to phrase it in a way that person who doesn't have that type of a background is going to be able to understand it and see how it applies to them because that's, and that's what makes writing, I mean, I have a hard time with that when in when, when I want to write articles as I, I want to write it like I want to read it, which mm-hmm. is easy and, you know, as, as few big words as possible, but I feel like I, need to throw in some science in there as sort of uh, some some credibility you know, mm-hmm. like i do know what i'm talking about i'm just wording it in a way that anybody could understand right and that's hard i think i think in general the 
it just has to be if they people in general just want to know that there's something supporting it yeah um it gives confidence I think my my real motivator there is this first book. I want it to be a conversation starter mm-hmm. across people who are really engaged in this field, but also the experts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it really is a nexus of so many fields of science, and in a way that I haven't seen put forth yet. So it would be nice if there's enough meat. Probably not. So the way I imagine it, there'll be the main part of the text. And that'll be, everybody can read that, find it very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the citations will actually be citations to really deep, detailed information about the subject instead of just a citation of papers. Oh, there will actually be like a detailed article explaining that one point and then the citations for that article. I got gotcha. you. That, that makes sense. That's probably, that cool. yeah, because like I said, this, this, a, my main goal is that somebody gets this in their hands and boom, they can change their life. Right. They can they can start to become healthy. Mm-hmm. And then the second goal, like I said, is to try to tackle that problem of all the disparate fields not speaking to each other. Mm-hmm. And that, those are very... It's a bit... <laughs> yeah, those, those are actually completely incompatible goals. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, good luck. <laughs> so, yeah, putting it into a split structure like that, though, I think at least gives it the ability to mm-hmm. to happen. You know, the book can intrigue anybody and everybody, no matter what field they're yeah. in. And then as, you know, some microbiologist potentially reads it or doctors, yeah, that sounds like total crap. Right. But then they find the references with papers and the material and the detailed explanation. They go, well, you know, maybe... Maybe this is worth trying with mm-hmm. a patient or two, or right. that's really interesting. Maybe I should try that in my lab, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I have lofty goals. I don't. I actually don't even know how to set any other kind of goal. Apparently, <laughs> because m- my whole life has been that way. <laughs> it's okay. We thank you for it. <laughs> even those who are patiently, eagerly waiting, perhaps getting yeah. frustrated from waiting so long. Yeah. It'll be worth it in the end. It's it's interesting coming from you because you you've probably yeah there's been victims of that <laughs> zealous goal hunt mm-hmm. and yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but an interesting journey but I'm happy to be a part of it and uh, thank you so much for answering all my questions and finally joining me on the show I hope this isn't going to be the last time uh, that we have a good conversation so no I I. Yeah, I think we can do this more often. Okay, we'll see. I'm going to hold him to it. <laughs> Instead of less often than never. Correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much uh, for joining me on the show again. And thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Her Body. And we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Her Body on Body IOFM with your host, Alex Navarro. And if you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance. <laughs>